Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snack Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. We are back, Dolphin fans, with a brand new episode of SB Nation's Finsider Radio, the Jake and Josh Show. In this episode, we will preview the Miami Dolphins' Week 7 matchup versus the Pittsburgh Steelers. Miami will be celebrating the 72 undefeated team. They'll be wearing their throwbacks, but most importantly, QB1 Tua Tagovailoa will be back in the lineup. But before we get into all that, let me welcome in the greatest co-host in the world, the one, the only, Jake Mendel. Jake, how's it going today, man? Josh. Happy, happy Friday. I want to start with a question here and put you on the spot. Uh, you're a little bit older than I am in terms of a Dolphin fan. So um, the Dolphins are playing on Sunday night football. How how often have you seen the Dolphins play on Sunday night football throughout your life? Because uh, there's a podcast, part of my take, they went on a whole thing about it. But I realized, man, this, this is a pretty unique thing for me. I'm not used to seeing this team on uh, Sunday night. Yeah, it it really is. I can't, I wish I remembered. I think the one that stood out, no, that was a Thursday night game when Dante Culpepper got traded and they were, you know, everyone had the Dolphins as Super Bowl favorites. I, no, I that think... was that was that was the first ever Thursday Sunday night game for NBC, but they had it on a Thursday night. Does that okay. make sense? Yeah, it does. So I guess that's the one that stands out in my mind. And then I think there was a Dolphins Broncos one in maybe the early two thousands. But you're right, man. We are never on Sunday night football and it's I guess I guess it's going to be nice, right, to see the players and have them, you know, they read off their names to a tongue of Aloha, Alabama and all that cool <laughs> stuff. So, yeah, man, inject it into my veins. But, PFS scores. Yeah, uh, we need to see the Dolphins on primetime more often. But thanks for telling me that I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing, though. Hey, you know, you win a couple of games this year. I mean, if you Tyree Kill leading the league in receiving yards, um, you know, if this team's pushing for a playoff spot, there's there's no doubting that I think they're going to have a handful of um, primetime games next year. Uh, but our concern with that always, Josh, is the fact that everyone's watching our team, and that means everyone we know living in the Northeast who aren't Dolphin fans are going to text us saying all this stuff that we already know. Uh, but Josh, to start this off, I think, you know, Dolphins aren't on Sunday Night Football a lot. Let's just say it. The Sunday Night Football song absolutely stinks. Nobody is waiting all day for Sunday night. I spend all day watching football. You're not, you don't like that song. It's still Carrie Underwood, right? Or they change yeah. it up. I mean, it's again, I, I mean, I, I watch it, but I, I'm going to be more into it this week, but yeah, man, that song sucks and they need to redo that. And uh, hopefully it sounds like a Christmas jingle. Like some of those other ones, like Thursday night football and all those other ones, like there's some awesome jingles out there, but uh, they definitely got to tweak that Sunday night football one. Steelers two and four, but Josh, all but two of their games were decided by more than four points. They beat the bucks 20 to 18 last week. And what, I might say is the biggest upset of the entire year. I, I know there's been some pretty dramatic games early on, but to say that Tom Brady and the Bucks were going to lose to uh, Mitch Trubisky, Kenny Pickett, and the Steelers was a little, uh, little shocking. Especially considering, man, the week before they lost thirty-eight to three to the Bills. Uh, there's a, there's a lot to dive into here, Josh. Tell me where you want to begin. 
Yeah, I, I was surprised too that they beat the Buccaneers. I mean, I don't know what's going on with Tom Brady. I don't know what's going on with that team, but um, I, I was a little bit surprised that the Steelers pulled that off. But I mean, maybe we shouldn't be, right? I mean, this is an organization that I mean, for you said I was old for my entire life has been kind of that <laughs> dominant, you know, stable franchise that's always dominated the AFC, always found a way into the playoffs. I think where I want to start is uh let's be honest, man, Brian Flores revenge game, right? I mean, uh, we love to talk about revenge games. You know, Tua said that it's not, it doesn't mean anything. You know, he has familiarity with me. Yes, but this is an entirely different system. You know, Brian Flores has downplayed it, but um, with the way everything went down, you know, with how Tua Tungavailoa had to have felt after, you know, being ridden pretty hard by Brian Flores, I guess. I'm excited to see this revenge game and see, you know, just how amped up these two sides are. That's kind of the thing. It's a fun story, but both sides aren't really buying into it at all. Brian Flores said this to say, uh, that's not the way I'm looking at it now. I have, I don't have bad memories of that place. I have a lot of good memories, but my focus is here right now. When I think of that place, I think of all the relationships that will build there and that are bigger than football and it will go a long way beyond football. That's a lot of those. This is a choppy quote. My apologies. Uh, basically, he's just kind of saying he likes everyone in the organization still. He has a lot of friends in there. Um, he thinks about the players, the coaches, the sports st- staff he's developed relationships with. That's where his thought process is. And Josh, I mean, that's kind of the coach speak, right? You know, obviously, this is something uh, that you're going to say when you don't want to stir up drama, which this could be 100% true. I mean, the Brian Flores in Miami plane did crash and burn, but there were some pretty high highs there that were a lot of fun. And I I think it's important that we don't forget those, especially considering, you know, Adam Gase wasn't great. Joe Philbin wasn't great. There were some bright spots without uh, or throughout, I should say, Brian Flores' time in Miami. Yeah, there absolutely was. And I think you're right. You know, they're just trying to downplay this. I mean, Again, is he still suing the Dolphins? Like, isn't there a lawsuit out there? I mean, he's mm-hmm. he doesn't want to take the attention away from the game. You know, he's a linebackers coach, right? But I'm sure that he's going to be going out there. He knows how to attack Tua Tungavaloa. Um, and Tua, you know, I guess knows a little bit of his strengths and weaknesses. But you're right, man. You know, throughout that process, I was big on Brian Flores. Even when, you know, January, I think I said, I fired Chris Greer. I'd keep Brian Flores around. I'm a clown mm-hmm. for that. I'll admit it. But um, <laughs> we did have some good memories. And uh, there were some times where you thought, you know, the Dolphins found their coach. And I think that's why, you know, throughout the podcast, you know, since we've been doing this you continue to tell me man we felt that way before let's temper expectations and now he is the pittsburgh steelers linebackers coach but uh you threw out that flores quote i honestly thought maybe i typed that up because you said it was hard to read i'm glad it wasn't me but uh tua was asked also about flores he said yeah i think it'll be cool going against the guy he's coaching on that side I've been with him for the last two years, so he definitely knows what I like and dislike. But schematically, this is Mike's offense and not the same offense we're running. And uh, you mentioned him building relationships, Jake. Was he talking about the, you know, the three defense coordinators he had and the six offense (laughs) coordinators? Is that what he was referring to? Hey, man, he built out that coaching tree real fast. That is for sure. Uh, We mentioned him a couple of times, Josh. Let's get right in talking about Tua Tungabaloa and this offense. Josh, he is averaging nine yards per attempt as he's getting ready to return for Sunday Night Football. That's the highest in the league. And I said it when we were speaking with Merrick and and our Wednesday show. I think Jalen Waddell is going to go absolutely off in this game. I think back to that, you know, drop pass that turned into an interception. I think about that fumble. And I think this dude's going to absolutely go scorched earth. And it's still so crazy for me to say when you consider Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle combined for 300 yards last week. And I thought it'd be a little interesting. So you look at what the Bucks did last week um, against Pittsburgh, and that was Godwin and Evans combined for 10 catches on 16 targets for 137 yards. Josh, how much better is Miami's receiving core than Mike Evans and Chris Godwin? Because I had to pause there because I can't believe I'm saying that, but I'm ready to say that's 100% true. Yeah, man. I mean, that might be the homer in us. And I mean, let's be honest, they're 
two entirely different groups of receivers, right? I mean, Evans and Godwin, I mean, they can create yak, but they're not as explosive as Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. But um, then at the same point, you know, well, I guess Waddle can go up and high point that ball and Tyreek Hill has also showed that. So um, I I would say they're a little better, man. And that's definitely uh, where the Dolphins should attack that Pittsburgh Steelers defense. You mentioned Jalen Waddle. I guess maybe it's just the pessimist in me, but was he not at practice with the red shirt on? You know, Mike uh, Mike McDaniel kind of tiptoed around his status. So um, I would love to see him go scorched earth. We want him out there. We need him out there but uh the pessimist in me the same old Dolphins fan is a little bit you know taking a step back and thinking well I need to see Jalen Waddle out there to believe it but man Tua Tungvaluwa being back in this lineup what he did in those what three and a quarter right three and a quarter games that he played just about 1,035 yards, eight touchdowns, three interceptions, a 109.9 passer rating. And I think that still might be the highest pass rating in football. I mean, obviously. I think limited. you're right. Yeah. yeah. So um, I'm excited to see him get back out there and hopefully pick up exactly where we left off because, I mean, the homers in us. I mean, you saw the fans on Twitter, you know, they, they go to bat at everyone, you know, whether it's Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, whoever it is, you know, people have stats, you know, they try to back up this uh, agenda that Tua Tagovailoa is better than all these quarterbacks. And let's be honest, at the beginning of the season, he was up there with some of those guys playing his best. So I'm excited to get him out there. Hope to God we don't ever see another hit like that again. And um, I guess a lot of that will have to do with that Dolphins offensive line that's, you know, seems to be a revolving door at time. And Josh, that's a perfect segue. I want to ask you about that because Raheem Mostert and the Dolphins rushing attack in the two games that Tua missed uh, previous to the Vikings, he had two pretty impressive games. You kind of saw the big vision of that uh, running game and how Mike McDaniel likes to operate with it. But last week, Josh, 3.5 yards per carry. Uh, Is the rushing attack in trouble or do we have some reinforcements coming on that offensive line who should fix the ship just a little bit? Yeah, the key word there should fix the ship. I think Mike McDaniel, you have it here. You know, he spoke on the offensive line. He talked about how there's uh, competition each day. That, to me, led me to believe that they might see Liam Eikenberg sitting on the bench and maybe we get Robert Jones on Sunday. I mean, he may sound like they're competing in practice and whoever you see out there on Sunday, you know, won the week. So um, I hope there's some reinforcements there, but none will be bigger than Teron Armstead, right? And that was a guy that, um, again, this is something that we're probably just going to have to get used to. You know, the limited practice, the toe injury. If he's out there on game day, nobody cares about that, right? But he hasn't been out there. And without your starting left tackle, you know, the guy that's been that anchor, the guy that you spent all that money for, uh, that all offensive line as you saw took a little bit of a step back but you got to credit Minnesota's defense just like we're probably gonna have to credit some of uh the Pittsburgh's defense because you know I'm looking at their linebackers Devin Bush Miles Jack Alex Highsmith um I mean they got some playmakers on that side of the football that can definitely impact that run game but uh I'm not I'm not too concerned about you know 3.5 yards per carry because um wasn't earlier in the year I mean we were struggling pretty bad so uh it could be a lot worse right (laughs) Exactly. And too, Josh, I think it's kind of interesting because I think Mike McDaniel's obviously sending a message to this team here with whoever is starting Sunday won this week's competition. Josh, that's that's like saying you got to score more points to to beat your opponent, right? I mean, it's it's kind of common sense. You're not going to play someone who had an awful week at practice over someone who had a good week of practice. And I wonder what got this kind of moving because there weren't a lot of questions about this offensive line, right? It was kind of solidified. Uh, you know, you, you knew that right tackle and left guard were the issues. And that's just was kind of the end of the discussion for six weeks. But Josh, when you look at this matchup a little bit, Pittsburgh is middle of the pack, allowing about 120 rushing yards per game. Uh, but you think about matchups, Josh, and I don't think any na- name sticks out to me on that. I guess Michael Fitzpatrick just because of the bias, but Cam Hayward, he like, he is the if you look up Pittsburgh Steeler in the dictionary, I think it's just a picture of this guy because he's just a very scary dude in the middle of that defense. And it's arguably the biggest matchup where if it is Liam Eichenberg, it'd be he'd be going against Cam Hayward, someone who lined up, I think it's 
68% of the time on left guard. So Josh, I wonder if there's a little bit of a chess mask going where Pittsburgh obviously knows where it's going to try to attack. And this is Miami saying, all right, we're going to have a plan or two or a trick up our sleeves to kind of negate a situation like this, where you have someone like Cam Hayward, who wins 18% of his pass rushes, which ranks six among all defensive ends. And we know Josh Tua said it time and time again, like he has to be able to see over the middle. And if you got a big, scary dude like Cam Hayward there, that's that's the exact opposite. Yeah, man, the queasy meter's at an all-time high right now, you hey. say that, because, <laughs> um, you know, the Liam Eikenberg situation, I mean... I- to Mike McDaniel's point, you know, if it was a competition every week, why is Liam Eikenberg even still out there, right? I mean, at some yeah. point, you'd hope that he got uh, the throne there. And then Brandon Shell, I guess, is he going to play right tackle? Or I guess maybe if Teron Armstead can't go, he might play left tackle. So they do have some musical chairs there on that offensive line. But um, you're absolutely right, man. Cameron Hayward is an absolute monster. I forget who it was. I think it was Football Outsiders. They did a nice article today stating, you know, why Cam Hayward could pretty much take this game yeah. over. So um, uh, definitely Queasy Meter's at an all-time high. But, you know, when you list, look at those names on that defense, Defense, man, I mean, those are some household names that you don't even have to watch Pittsburgh Steelers football to, you know, know that they're good players. So um, for years, like I said, I'm old as heck, man. The Pittsburgh Steelers have had that awesome defense, you know, of frustrated quarterbacks. That's definitely a matchup to watch for sure, man. There, there's some missing context with what I'm about to say. But, Josh, you consider the fact like like there are some very nice pieces on this defense. But, I mean, the Bills just torched them for 38 points. I think Pickett had three interceptions in that game. So, um is there a standard for this Miami Dolphins offense that you'd like to see? I, I don't think it's fair to put a, a specific point total on this, but at, at the same time, you consider the fact that Tua is coming back after missing two weeks. He might be gun shy. Um, what are your expectations overall for this offense, considering, hey, they have some big pieces on defense, but but they're beatable? Yeah, they're absolutely beatable, and you do wonder how the Dolphins are going to come out and attack this. I mean, we talked about how it'd probably be in our best interest, right, to throw the football. We got all those speedy playmakers on the outside. We saw Mike Kosicki come around. Uh, we saw, again, two of a little light in the world on fire, but I don't know if we should really have a point total in mind, but I think, you know, I personally want to see that offense go out there and pick up where they left off. I mean... What's that mean? Scoring 28 points a game? You know, I, I'm not sure, Jake, but I want to see Tua Tavalo go out there, have command of this offense, see them move the ball because um, for the last few weeks they sputtered out of control. And, I mean, the defense could only do so much those last three weeks. And this is kind of the big jump between, like, a middle-of-the-pack team and, like, a, a good team, right? It's one thing if there's a top-tier defense that's just shutting you down, right? Sometimes it's going to happen, and if you can – eke out like a 17-14 win sometimes that that's all you need um but I'm interested to see because there are you know four or five playmakers on this Steelers defense and then you can kind of take advantage of some other guys especially in uh, the secondary in terms of cornerbacks Josh this is a perfect scenario where Mike McDaniel should show us kind of like what the Bills did you have some good players but we can scheme them right out of the game that's something I mean I remember facing the Bills facing the Jets for years um Bills defensive lineman. They had uh they had Kyle Williams and and Darius. Uh, help me out here, Josh. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. <laughs> but the sorry. point being that 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 no matter what the Dolphins did, no matter how good the Dolphins seemed to be, uh, that offensive line was always a reason to derail that entire season. While the you know five and eleven Tyrod Taylor led Buffalo Bills are absolutely torching you. So for me, man, I think it boils down to can Mike McDaniel really scheme up something that kind of keeps this offense clean and and puts them in a situation to succeed. But that's why you hire an offensive coach, and you know those fears come from having someone in a defensive coordinator like Brian Flores, who his offensive game plan was don't mess up the game. Our defense will do it all. Yeah, Jake, I absolutely think, you know, that Mike McDaniel can scheme up and match up against, I mean, arguably 
Mike Tom was one of the better defense coaches in the league. And then you got Brian Flores on that staff. So, I mean, all week they got to be game plan. You know, we're going to show Mike McDaniel. We're going to stop that offense. We're going to, you know, sabotage to a ton home field comeback, you know, that everyone's amped up for. But I thought it was cool. It was Terrell Lawson, the defense coordinator for the Steelers. Um, they asked him how the how that defense could prepare for Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle's speed. And he joked, we could put our guys in a car on a motorcycle. I don't know if you can get ready for that <laughs> speed. And it's not just him. You got a Waddle across from him. And I mean, those guys are really fast. So um, they respect the speed. Again, I think that's where you got a game plan. You got to find ways to get Jalen Waddle the ball. You got to find ways to get uh, Tyreek Hill the football. And I mean, that's just no shit. Right. But um, I, I'm excited for this matchup, excited to see how the Dolphins perform again in front of the entire world, because if if things go to crap, you know, our friends, like you mentioned, will be t- tweeting us and texting us and telling us just how awful the Dolphins have been. All eyes will be on the offense come Sunday night. But let's take a little break here on the flip side. We'll get into the defensive matchup against rookie Kenny Pickett. So stay tuned. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. So Josh, come Sunday night, Kenny Pickett will be making his first primetime start for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And it's important to keep in mind, I think he, he suffered a concussion last week, and there, there's a lot of confusing things happening there. He was a full participant in practice on Wednesday. Uh, he was cleared Thursday. And I'm not smart enough to get into any of these debates, but I think there should be reporters who are around all these teams, should be questioning people, should be emailing, calling, and, and figuring out the answers to these questions because uh, for the microscope to be on Miami and their concussions and then something to kind of go under the radar so quickly, a rookie quarterback is already, you know, over his concussion. It just seems a little weird to me. Uh, Josh, one stat I want to start with here. Uh, Deontay Johnson, George Pickens, basically Pittsburgh's two top wide receivers receivers neither of them have a touchdown on the season despite leading the league in yards so right there man that's how you set the tone you need to be a good red zone defense yeah and that's one of the things the Dolphins have done a better job over you know throughout the weeks I mean that's kind of the reason they beat the Bills right it was that whole bend don't break that's kind of what I was trying to get that hashtag going there throughout the first three weeks of the season but they absolutely need to do that you mentioned the Teddy the Kenny Pickett thing and I mean I don't want to spin too far out of control, but that just doesn't make any sense, right? I mean, I think he just officially came out of concussion protocol today, but he was practicing on Wednesday. And I think it was Teddy Bridgewater that wasn't practicing until Thursday or Friday, if I'm not mistaken. And he has yep. been confirmed to not have a concussion, right? So it's apples to oranges, though. I mean, I didn't see the pick a hit admittedly, but I mean, that hit that Tua took was brutal, but I'm comparing it to this whole Teddy Bridgewater thing. And it just does not make any sense. And I wish that, like you mentioned, some of those guys get paid the bigger money would go out there and find out what exactly was going on. Jake, we got a injury report it's friday we got our final injury report ahead of this week's game and dude this looks like a cvs uh receipt steven sims <laughs> nice. the wide receiver for pittsburgh steelers is out uh Achilleo witherspoon the cornerback's doubtful and james pierre the cornerback is also questionable when you look at Miami's injury report man this thing is brutal you mentioned deontay johnson george pickens keon crossen's doubtful for sunday tackle teron armstead questionable darth cater questionable 
Xavier Howard, questionable. Greg Little, questionable. Emmanuel Agba, questionable. Durham Smythe, questionable. Skylar Thompson, questionable. Jalen Waddle, questionable. And Christian Wilkins, questionable. So, damn, dude. I mean, it felt so good during the preseason, right, to get through that unscathed. And now it's just been one injury after another. And you just got to see somebody step up because I think the Dolphins might only have, what, three cornerbacks on the roster right now? I know Mike McDaniel was asked about that. He said he loves his scouting department. You know, the guys they drafted, brought in this offseason. Um, but, dude regardless of what you think of Kenny Pickett, regardless of what you think of that Steelers offense, who they are getting Pat Fryermuth back as well this week, who's a very good tight end. I mean, that Dolphins secondary is looking a little bit banged up, especially if Keon Crossan isn't available to go. Yeah, and I think a part of it too is the safeties can kind of play in coverage, right? Especially look at someone like Eric Rowe, right? He's was a cornerback before moving over to um, a And safety. we got Iggy Island now, right? Iggy Island, you're 100% right. And honestly, playing a rookie quarterback, this is one of those scenarios where, hey, if he can... Nobody should come out here any week with Igbenogni playing a lot of snaps and think he won't make issues, right? He's played just a handful of games still. He's still trying to figure things out, and I'm not trying to make excuses. I'm just saying for the couple bonehead plays that we should expect, I hope we get a couple more, you know, passes defended where he looked pretty good last week. So that's that's kind of my big uh, interest if Igbenogni happens to be out there. Xavier Howard, we saw him lock it down last week. I mean, if he's out there, you're going at the other wide or at the other cornerbacks, especially with a rookie quarterback. That is going to be the move, Josh. But I think this game is going to come down to getting to the passer, getting to Kenny Pickett, uh, someone who it seems like early in his career he likes to look at his first read, and if it's not there, uh, run the football. I know he scored a rushing touchdown. I think a game and a half before he had his uh, first passing touchdown. And Josh, two names you mentioned that kind of scare me: Emmanuel Agba, Christian Wilkins, both questionable. Wilkins. I think both of them actually weren't practicing early in the week. Reporters are out there saying that, uh, you know, Agba looks gimpy. So, man, that that to me is the concern. It's not the fact that, you know, Najee Harris, uh-oh, three yards per carry. This Dolphins defense hasn't gotten a turnover in three weeks. They're averaging less than one a game. Uh, they're averaging 2.5 sacks a game, which is very mediocre. So, Josh, I, I think this is the scenario where you got to take advantage of a team that loves to turn over the football and if the Dolphins can't do that I, I don't think you blame injuries for that but that's a hard situation to be in yeah and I mean we need the Dolphins to get some takeaways right I mean we talked about it last podcast that's the reason that we overachieved you know last season the season before that I mean they were just capitalizing off so many turnovers and it just mm -hmm. hasn't gone that way so I hope man I hope they they can we need Christian Wil I, I don't I guess I shouldn't say we need Christian Wilkins because Zach Sealer is pretty good you know Raekwon Davis is pretty good but Christian Wilkins this year man he's like so a, important he's looked like a damn stud up there up front you know and just what he I guess what he brings as well as a trash talker right I mean you see how frustrated the opposition gets when he's in the lineup but I hope this is a game where we can see maybe Jalen Phillips I mean we've seen him be pretty disruptive these last few weeks I mean he's getting yes. pressures on the quarterback like crazy only had I think I think he had back-to-back -back sacks now in the last two games but um you know when those sack numbers aren't high some player you know some fans are Oh, he's a bust. You know, he's not living up to potential. I mean, he's been all over the place, pressuring the quarterback. I guess this to me, if Agba's out, I mean, would that not mean a, I guess a larger role maybe for Andrew Van Ginkle this, this week, you know, I guess, uh, they don't have anybody listed behind him on the defensive end. So yeah, yeah Trey I, flowers, he's already on injured reserve. So it's a, it's a very awkward spot for the linebacker group. Yeah. So I don't know who will step up there. I mean, maybe Melvin Ingram puts his hand in the dirt. Maybe even let Jalen Phillips. I mean, I don't know what they're going to do here, man, but um, I definitely think attacking Kenny Pickett, you know, forcing him to make mistakes, get into his head, rattle him a little bit is obviously the way to go. And we need those turnovers, man. Give us an X pick six. But I, I mean, we're talking about Noah Igbenogany. I'd I think I might rather see him get a pick six and just watch the entire world burn. That, oh, dude, that would be absolutely incredible. Before we give our predictions here, Josh, one last question I have for you. 
Um, if Miami is going to win this game, I think they're going to, you know, turn the ball over. I think this is going to be a crowd that's going bananas. You consider the fact they're honoring the 72 team. Who do you think is most likely to begin a turnover, Josh? Uh, not necessarily the one who picks the ball up off the ground or catches the batted ball that a, a defender already got their hand on. Josh, who's the guy who's going to start being so disruptive? They They start to create those turnovers. Who would you put your money on? Yeah, I was originally going to say Javon Holland coming off the edge, but I'm thinking, you know, the way they've been utilizing him a little bit, I don't think they've really been blitzing with him as much. Maybe Brandon Jones. That's going to be my answer. Mm-hmm. I'm going to see Brandon Jones. I mean, the way he times some of those blitzes. I mean, he has, what, seven in the last two years, I think it is. He leads all defensive backs or safeties with sacks. I mean, that's the way I see it, man. One of those beautifully executed, you know, delayed blitzes where he just hammers Kenny Pickett, knocks the football out of his hand. And then you got, you know, I guess Melvin Ingram again, right? Scooping that thing up and running for six. So I yep. just painted the entire picture. I will be completely wrong with that but uh, that's where I see it maybe one of those defensive backs or safeties getting at Kenny Pickett and knocking one free what about you man it's you look at when they hike the football how long can Kenny kind of go through his rhythm before there's someone oh god he's right on top of me type of thing because that's how the Dolphins got their turnovers right it was you would turn your head and there was already someone in your face and you're so unprepared Brandon Jones seems like an Awesome, awesome choice. I agree with you there. Um, I was actually going to say Melvin Ingram, but since since you took him, I, I got to think of something here on the spot, Josh. Landon Roberts, for some reason, is thinking out to me. You think about the fact they used Najee Harris. I think Najee Harris versus Landon Roberts is one of the better matchups uh, for Miami's linebacker because he struggled in times and pass coverage. Uh, Harris is more of a grinder. He's going to chip off every yard he can. So to me, man, I'd love to see a Landon Roberts. Maybe it's a, I don't know maybe a second and four ish and maybe Pittsburgh's using some play action to kind of take a shot downfield and Roberts right up the middle um, gets by, you know, center and guard, whoever it may be. And it's just in Pickett's face. I'm going to go with that. That sounds good to me, man. Um, However they do it, right? We don't care who it is. I, I really yep. have no, I have no care who gets that turnover. Um, One thing before we jump into our predictions, Jake, I, I was a little surprised by this. The Dolphins and Steelers have only played 11 times. Pittsburgh leads the series 9-2, to two, including five victories Whoa. in their most recent six matchups. So, again, the one that stand, I guess the two games that stand out most to me is the Dante Culpepper one, that week one game where everyone was all hyped. And then that other one where I – do you remember when Ricky Williams came back and it was like a mud bowl there on Monday Night Football yeah. and he got like stepped on and he was out for the year? I mean – I've had some brutal memories of those Pittsburgh Steelers. And what makes it even worse is I've, I mean, I grew up around Yinzers, you know, uh, everyone in school <laughs> growing up was, uh, was a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. So I just hope for nothing more than to see the Miami Dolphins go out there, take care of business and get this thing right on track. Because, you know, we are three and zero with two at time by Loa, and three without him. Let's get back on track, man. And, and be have this promising season that we all expected at the beginning of the year. I might be melting every team in the AFC North together. We're, Weren't both the Pat White and Matt Moore concussion games against Pittsburgh? Oh man, yeah, yeah. Matt was did Matt Moore get knocked out in the playoff game, or he's played the yeah, playoff it was game? The against, playoffs. Yeah, he got knocked that, out in the playoffs. And then game, Pat yeah. White uh, nearly died. So, dude, we we don't have any good memories from Pittsburgh. And then they traded us freaking. We got Lawrence Timmons from and Mike Wallace as well, right? I mean, do we have any good memories from the Steelers? That <laughs> damn dude, I, I forgot all about all this stuff. And the best way to change that, the best way to set the tone is on Sunday night football, QB1's coming back, throwback jerseys, man, that is the recipe for this. If we want to be this new age of Miami Dolphins, if we want to witness the revolution that is a finally good Dolphins team, this is a great place to set it. I I mean, Josh, I didn't have this on the rundown, but this is a pretty like uh, older brother and maybe like, I don't know, fifth sibling down where you're like 
18 years older than your younger brother and the Steelers have just had the Dolphins number. So for me, man, I'm going with it. I think Waddle goes off. I'm going to be a homer. Um, I, I like the Dolphins to win this maybe 30 to 10. I like them to kind of have a pen point advantage for most of this game and just really frustrate Kenny Pickett and hopefully get into that turnover column. Josh, how about you? Yeah, man, I was going to take a cliche route and say 17 and 0 like the 72 Dolphins, but uh, I'm, I'm thinking you're pretty close there. I'm going to say 27 17. How's that sound? 27, 17. I think we see Tyreek Hill continue, you know, what he's doing scorched her 701 receiving yards leads the league. You know, we talked about it all week, get Jalen Waddle back, have Mike Isicki go back out there and have another encore performance, have this offense clicking on all cylinders. And then hopefully pray to God that we can stop that offense. We didn't even mention Najee Harris, right? I mean, he's a running back that we all, you know, kind of clamored for throughout the draft mm-hmm. process. Stop him, force Kenny Pickett to, to beat you with his arm. And uh, I do believe that'll be the recipe for the Dolphins to win. And I do believe they will win this game because like you said, man, they're honoring the 72 team 50 year anniversary. We all saw the patches. We all saw him painting the sidelines. Uh, can't wait, man. Cannot wait for Sunday night football. And it's going to be one of those things where we just wait all day long. And then hopefully we go to bed. Very, very happy. That's the dream, man. That is the dream, but Hey, we made it. We are about to start week seven. Technically it began last night with Thursday night football, but no, nobody's counting that Joshua. Thank you. Thank you for joining me. Everyone out there listening to the show. Thank you. Thank you so much for letting us be part of your week. I know we missed a show Monday. We'll try to get better in the future, but Hey, you know, life happens for Finsider radio. For the Jake and Josh show, we are praying to God to see the Miami Dolphins get back on track on Sunday. But until then, all I have to say is fins up. Fins up. That was Finsider Radio, part of the Finsider.com and the SB Nation Network. Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl, because we're the Miami Dolphins. Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number one. Yes, we're the Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number We're the Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number one. Yes, we're the Miami.